The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. I am feeling so, so good. I got to spend my morning at the beach, and maybe this is something that only Miami people or people who live near beaches understand, but when you get to spend the day at the beach, like you just feel good for hours or days afterwards. So I got the post-beach glow going right now. I feel really good. And I got to spend my day at the beach with not only my wonderful wife, but my equally wonderful dog, Molly. And Molly was wonderful at the beach because she's a golden retriever. And that's basically everybody's favorite breed of dog. She was making friends left and right at the beach. There were people coming up to her all over the place wanting to pet her wanting to be her best friend. It was cool, and she just had a ball. She was jumping around in the water, fetching stuff, just putting on a show. And then I think the most fun we had with her is by the end of the beach day when she was really tired and just kind of wanted to sit down on the ground, I noticed that she was just uh, compulsively digging. She wanted to dig a hole and just dig as deep as she could in the beach. And I noticed it was because it was a hot day at the beach, and I think she was trying to get like underground where the the sand was a little cooler. And so she was digging, digging, digging. And then she would lay in the sand in, in, in the hole that she created. And so my wife and I got the idea of, well, let's bury her in this hole she created. And so, uh, we, we put a bunch of sand on top of her in the hole and, you know, obviously, you know, leaving her head uncovered because like, you know, I'm not a monster and I don't want uh, getting angry mail from all of you, but, if you go on my Twitter, follow me at Ryan K-A-I-R, you can find uh, pictures on Twitter of her just being buried up to her head and loving it. She was so happy because the, the sand was nice and cool under the ground, and she looks like a sphinx, and it's fantastic. You can check that out on Twitter. Follow me at Ryan K-A-I-R. Other than my beach day, there's still a lot of stuff I'm excited about in general, and I'm so excited to have you all here that I can tell you about it. First of all, it's South by Southwest week. It's going on until the 18th. If you are over there right now, awesome for you. I hope you're having the time of your life. We're going to talk a little bit in this segment about some of the stuff you can do to really make the most of your networking while you're at South by Southwest. I've been on a networking kick lately, but it's important. Probably the most important thing you can do for your career is networking. And if you're over at South by Southwest right now, you're in just in just the networking soup right now. It's just good, good, solid networking. And so if you're over there, I'm excited for you. And I'm just excited about all the great stuff that always happens at South by Southwest. I kind of I feel like one of these years, maybe even next year, I want to do a podcast field trip over there. I want to go over there and just be where the action is. Maybe we'll do that next year. If it, listeners, let me know. Break the business at gmail.com. Do you want to see us go to South by Southwest and just be a part of the action, maybe meet some artists and do some interviews. Uh, let me know. Again, break the business at gmail.com. The other thing I'm excited about, speaking of podcasts, and this is going to be kind of out of left field, but over on this podcast for weeks and months and for as long as I've had this podcast, I've always talked about how I would love to see more artists like you 
get into podcasting because I think podcasting is such a great medium for artists because in this new music industry, it's really all about building a deeper connection with your fans, building your fans, building that fan base up and turning those fans into super fans. And one of the ways that you can do that is by giving your fans a really kind of in-depth look at who you are. Don't just let them see the surface through your music, but let them find out about you. And the podcasting medium, creating an artist-specific podcast, is a great way to do that. And we've had a couple guests on this show who are artists who do the podcasting thing. We had Eleventy Seven back on the show a little while ago. They have a podcast called Eleventy Life, which is really, really good. And most recently, I discovered... That another former guest of the podcast just started up her own podcast. And because we always support people who come on this show and are friends of the podcast, I want to do a quick plug for it. Charlotte Erickson, the glass child, as she's known, she joined us back on episode 105. She was one of my favorite interviews. Just an amazing story. She's just such a rich biography for her. You know, she she went from you know she moved to London to start her music career she didn't have any money in her pocket she had to start from zero and she just hustled and you know lived on the streets and just such a powerful powerful story and now she has a podcast which i'm so excited about it's called behind the glass and as part of it she's going to give us an in-depth look in just what her life has been like and you know the kind of living she's done and i listened to the first episode each of the episodes is only about 15 minutes so it's it's a quick listen and i listened to it and just from the first few words i was hooked i just could not stop listening to it i mean aside from the stories that she tells in that first episode which are powerful she's got this voice that just just pulls you in and just it's her voice is like a hug it just doesn't let go of you it's just and she overlays the podcast with great music and so the music helps further the narrative and then at the end of the episode she does a little performance and it's everything that I want artist podcasts to be so I'm going to keep listening to it again it's called behind the glass the glass child podcast she did not ask me to plug it I just want to plug it because she's a friend of the show and it just represents everything that I think a good artist podcast can be and you should listen to it and so you can see what the podcasting medium can do for you as an indie artist. Again, one more time, the uh, the podcast is called Behind the Glass from Charlotte Erickson, The Glass Child. And you should go back and check out episode 105 as well if you want to hear a fantastic interview from her. Uh, what else is going on in this week's episode? Oh, man, we have a loaded episode this week. If you're that kind of person who's like, man, I like episodes where I don't have to hear as much from Ryan Boy, do we have the episode for you. We got other people coming in who are going to be fantastic. In the second segment, we're going to be hearing from a friend of the podcast, a guy that we love, Kevin Bruner, Vice President of Marketing for CD Baby. He's been on the podcast a couple times. He was on pretty recently, which is cool. And he helped us out with our episode 100 fundraiser to help victims of Hurricane Harvey, uh, the storm up in Texas. And he helped us with that, and he's awesome. And he's joining us because... It is CD Baby's 20th anniversary, as I found out this past week. So he was willing to come on and talk to us about it. So I want to talk to him about the 20 years of CD Baby and have a conversation with him about how the music industry has changed in those 20 years. Because when I thought about CD Baby being 20 years old, all I could think was, man, 
what a crazy 20 years to go into the, to be in the music distribution business. Because when CD Baby started, it was a CD company, hence the name. And over those 20 years, they've had to go from CDs to downloading to now streaming. And they've had to completely change their model all these different times because the music industry has been so tumultuous in these last two decades. I, I would love to just talk to him and just find out to get his perspective on how the changes have happened and what it means for artists. And he's going to have a lot of great tips as well, because he is the host of the DIY musician podcast where they give a lot of great tips on that show. So I'm excited to talk to him in the next segment. That's going to be Kevin Bruner, vice president of marketing for CD baby. And then in the third segment, we got more people coming in. Finally, I'm so excited to finally announce this. I'm giddy in the third segment. We're finally going to do something that I've been wanting to do on this podcast forever, which is, a coffee house segment. For those of you who listen to this podcast, you know that for weeks I've been specifically trying to set something up where we can have local musicians from Miami come in and do acoustic performances right here on the podcast. And so I've been talking with our friends over at Women Crush Music, specifically the Miami branch, and have said to them, can you bring us some fantastic local artists who we can have perform on this show uh, become part of this community, do amazing performances, just entertain you. Because look, we do a lot of, we give a lot of facts on this show. It's it's very fact heavy. It's very law heavy. Very information heavy. That sometimes we just need to hear a little bit of music from some great artists and help elevate those artists and move their careers forward. And so that's what we're gonna do with this coffee house segment. Every few weeks, we want to bring in an artist to perform right here on the podcast. And so we're starting that this week. I am happy to announce. And our first uh, coffee house performer is going to be a, a Miami artist named Laura Maison. She is a renowned classical guitarist she's played all over the world you can check her out at lauramazon.com that's l-a-u-r-a-m-a-z-o-n.com she's going to be performing for us with the classical guitar it's going to just blow your mind i've seen videos of her on youtube she's she's a, just a legitimate virtuoso so good at the classical guitar so it's going to be great don't go anywhere you're going to want to listen to that in the third segment it's going to blow your mind i'm so excited for it too and yeah, so there you go. Laura Maison coming up in the third segment. Next couple weeks of this podcast, man, are looking good. So March 18th, we're going to have Angela Mastro Giacomo come on. She's the CEO of Muddy Paw PR. We've been talking about her writing the last couple weeks on the podcast. Remember that episode we did about networking either last week or two weeks ago or something like that? We talked about the article that Angela Mastro Giacomo wrote, and now she's been nice enough to come on the podcast and talk to us more about that article, talk to us more about networking. She's a fantastic blogger and publicist. I'm sure she's going to have a lot of great information for us. And I got to tell you this, selfishly, I mean, for this podcast, we've come a long way, baby, because... When this podcast started off, I had to beg for guests. Before we had our little community, before we've really built something, before we had really built something here at this podcast, I had to beg guests to come on this show. I had to just reach out to my friends and get them to come on. I had to reach out to my family and get them to come on. But now, thanks to you, thanks to the support you guys have given to this podcast, we've now get to the got to the point where on the podcast I can talk about somebody's article. And then when I, you know, then I can email them and say, Hey, we talked about your article. Would you love to come on the show? And they always say yes. And they do it because of your support. So now we're going to have Angela Mastro Giacomo coming on next week to talk about her article. 
and I have all of you to thank for it. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. March 25th, Brian Seeley from Broadcast Supply Worldwide is coming by to talk to us. If you are looking to figure out how to get the right gear for your music career, if you're looking to try to just figure out how to set up your studio, how to record, maybe you know that you got to do more home recording to try to save money and you want to learn more about how to do that and what gear you need, that's the episode that's going to help you out. March 25th, Brian Seeley of Broadcast Supply Worldwide is going to join us. So, man, the next two segments are going to be great. The next two weeks of this podcast are going to be great. I hope you all stick with it because I'm so, so excited. You can reach out to the Break the Business podcast by uh, on our four platforms, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash breakthebusiness. And send us some emails, Business at gmail.com if you have any questions you want us to answer on the show, any topics you want us to talk about either on the music side or the pop culture side, that's where you email us. Break the business at gmail.com. Honestly, as I've said before, I'll say it again, this show is at its best when we are directly serving your needs. So if there's something going on in your career that you want us to talk about because you want to get some help with it, email us, breakthebusiness at gmail.com. We'll turn it into a segment. And if even if you don't think I know the answer to your question, which which happens on occasion, I can talk to anybody in our network who can get the answer for you. Maybe somebody like Kevin Bruner knows the answer, and I can shoot him an email, and he might be able to give you some advice. And I'm willing to do that for you guys because I love you. So speaking of South by Southwest, before we bring on Kevin Bruner to talk about CD Baby's 20th anniversary, I want to talk a little bit about South by Southwest and talk about networking because... Our dear friend, Angela Mastro Giacomo, who's coming on next week to be our guest, wrote a great article, another great networking article about networking at South by Southwest and how to keep your connections that you make at South by Southwest after the festival is over. So if you're at South by Southwest now, this is going to be great advice for you to hear. Or if you just, if you're not, but you know you're going to be at any kind of music event or event where there's industry people, this is stuff you're going to want to hear because, um, there's something that happens a lot when you go to these kind of conferences and it happens to me all the time. And it's something that I had to get better at. And it's what I like to call the mountain of business cards. Whenever you go to a music conference or any kind of music event or just any place where you know, they're going to meet a lot of people that can help move your career forward. You're going to get a lot of business cards, especially if you're the kind of person who's really good at walking up to people, shaking hands, exchanging business cards. And what winds up happening, and it happened to me all the time, is I'd come home and I'd have my giant stack of 20 business cards and then they would and, and I would just be so overwhelmed by the mountain of business cards that I have that I wound up not following up with any of those people and all that networking just went away. Just poof, in a puff of smoke, no longer became valuable because I didn't do the necessary follow-up because I just got overwhelmed by the number of business cards I have. I'm sure it's happened to you before. And so Angela Mastro Giacomo, in this article she wrote in the TuneCore blog called Networking at South by Southwest, Keep Those Connections Alive After the Festival Ends, helps address that issue. So she gives you some specific advice on what to do after the festival is over, after you've gotten the mountain of business cards. Here's some tips on just how to scale that mountain and make the most of the connections you've made. First thing she talks about in the article, great piece of advice, send a follow-up email. From the article she writes, Within a few days of heading back home, you want to be sure to send up a follow email, 
a follow, send a follow-up email, I should say. I uh, wish I knew how to read better. Letting them know how, that it was great meeting them and opening the door to future collaborations. Remember to reference something unique from your conversation so they remember who you are. People exchange a lot of business cards at South by Southwest, so give their memory a bit of a jog by mentioning you're the girl who had pink in her hair and loves dogs, or you're the guy that told them about the great taco stand around the corner. Then exchange niceties, keep the conversation flowing, and introduce the idea of working together. Awesome. Yes, you all, you, you want to hit the follow-up email because you're going to get a lot of business cards, and that person's going to get a lot of business cards. And I guarantee you, if you hit them with the follow-up email, you're much more likely to stand out from all the other business cards they got while they were at the event that you were at. Or even better... How about a follow-up thank you note? A couple of, couple weeks ago on this podcast, we talked about the importance of thank you notes, the handwritten thank you notes that, because you know when you, when you take the time to handwrite something and somebody's holding it in their hands, it's much more likely to make a big impression than if you just send them an email, which has a pretty good chance of being deleted because, hey, we get a lot of emails around here. The other thing I like to do when I get a business card, this is something I've learned from experience, especially when you're at one of these conferences where you get a bunch of business cards. It's so easy to forget who is what and 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 who you talk to and how they might remember you. So as soon as I get that business card, as soon as that person walks away, I take out a pen and I write on the business card how I met them, what the circumstances were, how I think they can help me out so that I remember these things so that when I do write the follow-up email or even better, the follow-up thank you note, you specifically say... You, you now have on the back of the business card how you met them so that you don't forget. Um, I always think that's really good. Another thing that Angela talks about in the article, such a good idea, and it really helps you kind of get a hold of all these crazy business cards and all these names you're going to have, uh, all these cards and names you're going to have, is to make a spreadsheet. So once you're done, once you come back, once you have, uh, once you, have uh, you know, recovered, you know, recharge your batteries from the festival craziness, make a spreadsheet of all the business cards you've collected, get their name, the city they're from, what they do and what their strengths and their needs are. And so again, writing stuff on the back of business cards after you meet a person right away while their information is fresh in your mind can be really helpful when you make the spreadsheet later. But what making the spreadsheet does is it allows you to find people in certain cities. The next time you visit them, you know, you know, you have your little spreadsheet of all the people you've met. When you're in a new town, you can look, okay, who are all the people I know in Chicago? Ooh, one, two, three, four, five. Let me set up a lunch with them while I'm there. Um, such a great idea to already have that spreadsheet ready to go. And if somebody comes along and they need a sound technician, you can go to your you know spreadsheet of network people and find all the sound technicians on your spreadsheet. Uh, it's a great way to be what's called a connector, a people that can bring people together through networking. And it's a good reputation to have that you want to have in music is the people that can bring people together and having a spreadsheet where all of your contacts are in one place and why those contacts are valuable can help you do that. Another thing that Angela talks about in the article, um, keeping in touch on social media, of course, of course, of course. Uh, once you have done all of the you know, collected all the business cards, send out all the emails slash thank you notes, major spreadsheet. I'm sure you're going to have their Twitter handles. Follow them on Twitter, friend them on Facebook, you know, build that social media network. And then, and look, once you have built the contact on Facebook, as Angela Mastro Giacomo talks about in this article, 
be a good social media citizen. Don't immediately say, okay, now this per- now I'm following this person on Twitter and they're following me. Time to spam the crap out of them. Here, you know, buy my album, buy my album, buy my album. No, 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 no. Now that you have built this connection on social media, treat them like a real human being. When they post a photo, an adorable photo of their dog, perhaps a photo of their dog buried in the sand on the beach, you know, talk about how cute that is, you know, Engage them, have real conversations with them on social media, acknowledge them as a human being and not just a vessel to move your career forward, and you're going to build a much better contact. So some great advice there. Again, if you want to check out the article, it's in TuneCore blog. It's called Networking at South by Southwest. Keep those connections after the festival ends by Angela Mastro Giacomo. I'm so excited to have her on next week. But right now in the here and now, I'm so excited to talk to Kevin Bruner, who's up next on the Break the Business podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. Shameless plug time, my new book, Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry is now available in paperback and an ebook. The book talks about how you can be your own boss in your music career and take control of your content creation, promotion, distribution, and fundraising. Get your copy on Amazon by searching Break the Business. It's a nice read for musicians and the people who love them. That's Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry. Thanks very much for your support. Welcome back to the Break the Business Podcast. This year, the music distribution service CD Baby is celebrating its 20th anniversary, during which time it has paid over $600 million to indie musicians around the world. Here to talk to us about it is the Vice President of Marketing for CD Baby and the host of CD Baby's DIY Musician Podcast. You can check out his work at DIYMusician.CDBaby.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at KBruner. Ladies and gentlemen, we are happy to welcome back Kevin Bruner on the Break the Business podcast. Hey, Kevin, great to have you on again. Thanks for having me. Well, first things first, happy anniversary, my man. <laughs> um, so yes. I'm curious, has CD Baby CEO Tracy Maddox given you your anniversary present yet? Because you should know that the 20th anniversary gift is platinum, so you're about to get paid. Yeah, sure. He could give me, I'll take it. I also <laughs> just had my own uh my own personal 12th anniversary at CD Baby. It was just like two weeks ago. Oh, so. wonderful. Yeah. So those line up quite nicely. <laughs> I don't know what the 12th yeah. anniversary is right offhand. It's probably I something like a bit is. of string or something. <laughs> Apparently it's a gift card to Amazon because that's what I got. <laughs> I'll take it, man. Um, so first of all, before we get into the interview, I've been, I've been holding this in for a while. I just wanted to thank you for helping us out with our episode 100 show for Hurricane Harvey Relief last year. We raised a nice chunk of change and we appreciate you coming on the show and answering some listener questions to help us raise money. Oh, no problem. I'm happy yeah, to. Of course. For those of you who don't know what, who or what CD Baby is, it's a music distribution service that allows any independent artist to get their music out to a worldwide audience. They make CDs, as it says in their name, but they also get your recordings on platforms like iTunes, Pandora, Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, you name it. But Kevin, I want to take things back to the beginning and try to put CD Baby's 20th anniversary in perspective. When CD Baby started out, it was the height of the recorded music business. The physical distribution still dominated. The major labels pretty much owned the industry. Digital distribution was still in its infancy, and indie artists didn't really have a lot of ways to get their music out to a worldwide audience. And I know you weren't there for those really early days, but do you think that CD Baby anticipated back then, when it was just a company that literally made CDs, and that's pretty much all they did, 
Do you think they anticipated that digital distribution was going to take over the industry and that organizations like yours were going to play a role in helping indie artists get their music out to a worldwide audience? Well, I mean, when the to, when CD Baby started, we actually weren't making CDs, and we technically still don't make CDs. We were just allowing artists to send us CDs, and we'd sell them online for them. So the, the idea of um, helping artists just be... Uh, you know, create a direct-to-fan platform for their music is basically what we did. So really what, what CD Baby, the shift that CD Baby sort of ushered in was this idea that artists don't need a label or some, you know, to give away all their rights in order to access their fans directly. Um, back then in 1998, there was no credit card machines that uh, like the Square Reader, if you wanted a credit card machine, it was very expensive, hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And if you weren't selling enough music, uh, you'd get charged exorbitant fees. So it's really impossible to do some of the things that artists have kind of taken for granted now. But uh, so, yeah, back then it was all about, you know, just enabling artists and allowing them to sell CDs. You know, when, when CD Baby started, I was actually on a major label at the time. And... When I left that situation, I was thinking there's got to be a better way for independent artists to connect directly with their fans. And that's when I came across CD Baby and uh, started using CD Baby for some independent releases before I even started uh, uh, working here. So I've been using CD Baby for probably about 15 years now. And uh, so a lot has changed since then. And we were you know, had become well-known in the industry as someone who had kind of disrupted the, the, the normal way the game was played and it was a big signpost to change coming where independent artists would own their career and just artists in general could own their career and reach their fans directly. And so we were a launch partner with iTunes back in 2004. So early on, we knew we were going to be a part of the, the digital distribution revolution, our catalog had grown enough and we had had enough prominence in the, in, in the industry for people to uh, take our catalog seriously. So, yeah, we've been distributing to iTunes since 2004 and, and you know, pretty much have it, your music anywhere it could possibly, possibly be around the world. Wow. Um, folks, there's a great infographic that's been making its way around the Internet that's got some pretty cool statistics on CD Baby's 20 years. And in a way, it's a lot of cool statistics on how indie artists have grown as a force in the industry over 20 years. I know you can find that infographic on Billboard. You can, of course, find it on my Twitter. Um, I'm, I'm sure it's on the, the CD Baby website somewhere as well, right, Kevin? Yes, yes. It's it's on our, on our blog. You can find it there. Very nice. Um, so... Kevin, the last 20 years have seen a lot of change in the way people have listened to music. There's been more disruption than there's probably ever been in the history of music forever. We've gone from being a physical recorded music business to a downloading business to now a streaming business in just the time that CD Baby's been around. And so as the industry has changed, CD Baby has changed along with it. But I think a lot of musicians have some legitimate concern, perhaps, that streaming has left them out in the cold as some musicians aren't seeing the same kind of income that they used to when downloads were more prominent as a retail channel. What is your outlook for streaming's potential as an income source for musicians as companies like Spotify continue to grow? 
Well, I will acknowledge that there is always a challenge when there's a format change, and that's basically what were happening. But this one's different than anything else we've ever accounted, encountered in the music business. Um, because not only did we change a format, but we changed fundamentally what people do and how they engage with music. We went from a buying economy where the sole purpose was to get people to buy something. Whether or not they listened to it, we didn't care. We just wanted them to buy it. <laughs> uh, to now, it's a playing economy. Everything we need them to do is actually to listen to the music and enjoy it and want to listen to it more and more and in a way where other people uh, are drawn into that music as well. It's real easy to sell something to people that never listen to it. Uh, and so that's one of the things that I, I, I always point out to artists that you really got to understand that it's a fundamental shift in what's happened. Because, you know, um, you think about, I was thinking about this while my band was playing some shows and we were at the merch table and the, we were selling tons of CDs. We were playing this show it was off our Christmas record. This was just last Christmas season. And, you know, people were buying CDs like crazy at the table. And I was looking at them going, this money is great, but how many of these people are actually going to go home and open that CD and listen to it? And how many of those people that actually make it that far are going to listen to it enough that they become fans of the band? So while I'm appreciative of that money, what I really want is people <laughs> to listen to the music and love it so much that they follow along because if I can build an audience, I can monetize an audience. Um, if I'm just making a, a financial exchange with somebody and they're not really a member of our audience, the money's great, but long-term, that really doesn't help me out. So that's, as far as looking at streaming, you have to understand that that shift is dramatic. And um, not only are we, is it, is it now that you're not trying to get someone to buy something from you, you actually want to create music and release music in a way that people want to listen to it. And if you can't do that, then you don't have an audience and you got a bigger problem. So um, <laughs> there's also with streaming, the thing that's interesting is there's all sorts of different ways that people can listen to music. It can be passive. It could be that it's just on on their computer at work while they're, you know, or at home while they're doing stuff. They kind of hear it. They're not really paying attention. Or they could be like totally into the album. Or it could be, you know, at some place where it's just at a store over the loudspeakers. You know, there's... You can go from very passive to very intently listening. That doesn't happen when you're buying music. You either bought it or you didn't. Whether or not you listen, it doesn't even come into the equation. You either buy it or you don't. Right. Um, so it's just a change in how artists have to think what the opportunities are and how can you release music in a way that gets people listening more. Um, so I think what's been interesting, and I've been seeing this on all levels of uh, artist releases from major label artists, to independent artists, and this is what I'm doing with my current, our band's current release, is that um, that there's this opportunity to get people listening and getting them engaged on various platforms, and uh, with by releasing several singles before your album comes out. It's very platform driven now. That's another thing artists need to understand. And things like activity, how many people share it, how many people are saving it to their library all impact how much those platforms push your music forward. So with my music, we released a single, and it, uh, it did okay. And then the next single for the album came out, 
and I noticed that it did even better. And things like release radar on Spotify, more of our tracks showed up, more more listens started coming from that, and in other places where Spotify is automatically putting the music. Um, so, if you don't understand how these platforms work and the way that they're pushing music forward, yeah, you're going to be very frustrated and feel like I liked the days better when I could just put a CD on a shelf and if it didn't sell, it got removed forever after a month. Um, <laughs> that worked out great for a handful of artists and not so great for most everybody else. Where now if you understand the platforms and how they feature music and how you can have success there, there's a lot of opportunity that's really exciting because it doesn't matter if you're not featured on the homepage. That's not where most people are finding music anyway. They're finding it in their Discover Weekly, their, their, dis, their daily discovery uh, playlist, their uh, release radar. They're finding out because someone shared it uh, or from search terms and things like that. So to me, once you understand that, you can get past the, the, the sky is falling scenario. <laughs> Plus, Last year, our revenues to artists grew 33%. It was, we paid out $80 million last year, and it was up from $60 million. And that's a huge increase in one year. It's the biggest increase we've ever seen in the history of the company, and that's because of the impact of streaming. More people are finding more music, both streaming and YouTube, are helping independent artists' music get heard. So it's conceivable that as these platforms continue to get more subscribers, they're you know, there's a bigger pool of money that, you know, that can be paid out to artists. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's what Spotify and, and not just Spotify, all the, the streaming services point to that, that, you know, it's about getting uh, a, a large amount of people paying into the system. And, you know, there, there's some, there's some advantages and disadvantages, you know, it, it kind of starts to fall into the uh, gym membership economics. <laughs> you want, lo you want lots of people buying and uh, a smaller group actually listening and then the payout's much bigger. Uh, Cause you know, that's how they, they figure out percentage base of usage and all this kind of stuff for how payouts happen. But, but anyway, uh, yes, ideally we will get to a place where most everybody who's a music fan has a subscription and a service and is enjoying music that way. Well, I'm sort of curious in the, in the, in the tone of voice that I heard there. Um, and I don't know how if you'd get in even in trouble for even prescribing things like this, but if, if there's something you could change about the, the economics of streaming, about the way that streaming payouts are perhaps done at a company like Spotify that would make things more fair to artists or perhaps laws that could be changed that might make things better. Is, do you have any thoughts on what those could be? Well, I think one thing that would help artists and, and ha have help solve the issue with people feeling like they're being left behind by streaming is that a lot of these services, it's a variable payout based on the number of subscribers minus the number of, or the divided by, or the the number of subscribers. Then you got this pool of money divided by the usage, and so you kind of come up with what the average payout rate is. I think people would feel better if it was just the payout will be X amount, whether it's half a penny per stream, or or what. If it was just this is what it's going to be regardless, um, then I think it would be. Uh, more it would be beneficial for artists to just and people would have a better idea wrapping their brain around how it works. Um, 
that's one thing I would change. I mean, actually, you know, artists just got, or songwriters, I should say, just got a big pay raise with uh, the increase of royalties. With the copyright royalty the board, yeah. Yeah. So that's good news. And for artists, if your music is streaming, you really need to have a publishing administrator. That's what we do with our CD Baby Pro publishing program. If you're not a part of that, you should be, because for every every $5 you earn off Spotify under the current rate, there's an additional dollar waiting for you in publishing royalties if you write the music. And so there's more royalties available that a lot of artists haven't even tapped into yet. And so it's important that you understand that you're collecting all this stuff and not just thinking that, um, I got paid for my download, so I'm assuming I'm getting all the money I'm owed. No, that's a very good point. A lot of you out there, of course, are writing your own music, and you don't want to miss out on the mechanical and performance royalties that might be due to you from streaming platforms. Royalties that could be poised to increase in the coming year if the uh, if certain legislation gets passed that's going through Congress right now. You want to keep an eye on that. While I have you here, Kevin, I would be remiss in not mentioning the terrific conference that CD Baby puts on for indie artists every year the DIY Musician Conference. It's going to be August 24th to 26th in Nashville. Mark your calendars now, people. It's a great event. Kevin, can you tell us any details about the event that the, for this year? I know planning has probably already begun. For those who aren't familiar with the conf- conference, what can they expect? Yeah, it's definitely underway. Uh, <laughs> I can hear it in your voice. It's, <laughs> yes, it's, I've noticed my hair started getting thin, much thinner after we started doing these conferences. <laughs> um, yes, it's underway. So basically, it's three days. We make it very artist-intensive. This is the focus of our conference and why we started in the first place. We want to make sure that all the content is geared towards helping independent artists of all levels move their career forward. So at a lot of conferences, you might see like the head of Sony talk about whatever. And honestly, at the end of the day, it doesn't help me as an artist move my career forward. It might be interesting to hear him talk about what he thinks the state of the industry is. But as far as boots on the ground, I'm an artist. How do I get better gigs? How do I, um, you know, sell more music? How do I take advantage of these streaming platforms? How do I, you know, grow an audience? How do I market those people? That's what we want to focus on. We want to help artists get better at what they do. And so there'll be, there'll be sessions about how to get featured on Spotify playlists. There'll be sessions on like how to uh, build an audience with Instagram, YouTube, how to uh, book better tours. Um, we even have a live band makeover where uh, performance coach Tom Jackson on stage does a live band makeover with a band where he uh, works on their live show and just teaches a lot of concepts on how artists can stop putting on boring shows night after night, which many artists are. (laughs) And so it's just really intensive. But one of the best things about it is it's very community driven. Uh, It was kind of a surprise when we did the first one. We didn't know if artists would show up and kind of be keep to themselves, but Everyone is just so friendly and excited to learn from each other. And it's just like, it almost feels like going to camp. And it's just this big family for uh, a few days. And um, we've seen artists, you know, that met at the conference uh, go and do a bunch of gig swaps and tour together. And 
and just really cool stuff like that. And and it's in Nashville, which is such an amazing city. I lived there for a while. I went to college there. It's everywhere you turn is the music business and just the city is alive with music. And so it just provides a, a perfect backdrop for uh, a weekend, a long weekend where you're there to improve yourself as an artist. And there's lots of music tourism there as well. So it, it can, it's almost like a, a working vacation if you um, have extra time to, to check out a few things in the city and, and take part in the conference. Oh, right on. And folks, there are a lot of great music conferences out there, but you would be hard-pressed to find one that is more expertly catered to exactly what independent musicians need than the DIY Musician Conference that CD Baby and Kevin very laboriously put on every year. Um, <laughs> Kevin, this has been a treat. I always love having you on. Before we let you go, buddy, do you have any last tips to share with the indie artist listeners to help them move their careers forward? Yeah, I, I would say that if if you're not familiar with what's going on in all the streaming platforms, I would say start there. Get 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 a Spotify account. You can get a free one. Start understanding what's going on there. Get get your connected to your uh, Spotify for artists, where you can actually update your profile if you use CD Baby for distribution you have uh, an instant connection to that through your account. Uh, I would say start there. If you don't understand what's going on with the platforms, you're always going to feel behind in the, the shift to streaming. I think from that infographic you mentioned, one of the most interesting things was, you know, we have some stats from 2011 where 77% of the artist revenues were coming from iTunes. Well, now it's, I, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, so I might be a few percentage points off, but it's like 35% Spotify, you know, 23% iTunes, like 13% Apple Music, and then Amazon's in there and Pandora are in there. So we went from a market where even on the digital side, there was one dominant platform, and now it's fracturing. And all these platforms have different ways they work, and there's different strategies you can take as an artist to reach people on those platforms. There's some cool stuff that Pandora is doing. They've got their artist marketing platform that if you've got music on Pandora and you're not uh, logging into that artist marketing platform and taking advantage of it, you're missing out. So starting there to understand what these platforms are doing and how they're pushing music around because that's where strategy comes from. And a lot of them are pre presenting data to independent artists like Spotify and Pandora and and if in your CD Baby account, you, you see data for Apple Music and iTunes and Spotify. And these things help illuminate opportunities for your music. And so whether, whatever you think about streaming, it doesn't matter anymore because that's the world we live in. And you got to dive in and understand so you can build a strategy. Because I, like I said, there's some really cool things people are doing with releasing music now and, and moving from a, a release like an album release or like a release day or here's my, you know, the big push to this particular day the album comes out to more of a release season and really using these platforms to drive their music. And to me, the, the most exciting thing is I think more so than ever, it's possible for an independent artist who doesn't tour to put out great music and build an audience. And to me, that what, that's what makes it most exciting because 
you know, I'm still making music. We've got a new album coming out that we spent tons of time and energy and money on, and we think it sounds great. We think our fans are going to love it, but we can't go out and tour, uh, you know, 200 cities a year like we used to back in the day, but we can still reach a lot of music fans online without having to do that, and there's so many great ways to engage with people. So I'm very excited and optimistic about uh, where things are going and like I said, those are a few places you can start if you've been dragging your feet on streaming to just, just engage and understand what's happening. Because if you don't understand how the marketplace works, you can't build a following and you can't implement uh, smart strategies. So, folks, Kevin might have his VP of marketing at CD Baby hat on, so he's probably not allowed to plug the name of his band. But I think we're talking about Small Town oh, Poets plug, here, right? I can right? plug it. All right. Yes, the Small Town Poets is the name of the band. <laughs> you can you can follow us on Instagram. Hey, one of the one of the funny things was uh, we did one long weekend Thanksgiving uh, where we played uh, a bunch of shows and. We had several photographers come out and took a ton of pictures of the show. And I was just trickling them out one every day. And I wasn't going, hey, this is from back two weeks ago when we did that show. And I was just trickling it out every day, another photo, saying something about it. And uh, so many people thought we were on tour the entire fall. I, would just, I just thought it was amazing. <laughs> there's, there's so many ways that you can build an audience and build a story that online that makes it feel like you're – far more active than you are and so that's that's what's mean yeah that the band's name is small town Post. Yeah. you can check us out online and see what we're doing please so. do great band award-winning band kevin thank you so much for joining us this week uh, happy anniversary <laughs> <laughs> of course you. um it's been a pleasure don't be a stranger we'd love to have you on again real soon Oh, absolutely. Thanks. We'll be right back on the Break the Business podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. Shameless plug time. My new book, Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry is now available in paperback and an ebook. The book talks about how you can be your own boss in your music career and take control of your content creation, promotion, distribution, and fundraising. Get your copy on Amazon by searching Break the Business. It's a nice read for musicians and the people who love them. That's Break the Business, declaring your independence and achieving true success in the music industry. Thanks very much for your support. Welcome back, everybody. Our thanks to Kevin Bruner, the Vice President of Marketing for CD Baby, for joining us in the previous segment. Happy 20th anniversary to CD Baby. Be sure to check out Kevin's fantastic blogging and podcasting by visiting DIYMusician.CDBaby.com. And now I am so thrilled, so excited to be joined in the studio by one Laura Maison. She's an accomplished classical guitarist and a graduate student at what I think is, of course, the finest institution of higher learning around the University of Miami. You can check her out at lauramazon, M-A-Z-O-N.com. Laura, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me here. I'm really thrilled. Oh, uh, We are so thrilled to have you. Uh, pop a little closer to that mic. It is... It, it, I don't know why it's not that sensitive, but um, okay, yeah. getting closer. You got, you got to get all up on it. You got to just you know, real close to that mic, just way closer than you feel like you need to, and that's mm-hmm. and that to the point where it just seems really awkward. <laughs> okay, like, like, I shouldn't have to be this close to a microphone. That's as close as you should okay, be. Okay, perfect. <laughs> well, uh, I'm so excited to have you here, and the reason why you are here is because we are starting a new segment here at the Break the Business Podcast that. 
I've been trying to get off the ground for weeks and I've just had this idea in my head and luckily our friends at Women Crush Music are helping make us helping us make this happen and that is the Break the Business Coffee House segment. So what we're going to do is every few weeks we're going to showcase fantastic indie artists here in Miami. Uh, give them a forum to play some music and just entertain the people. We we give out so much information on this podcast. It's really just law heavy and business heavy and just, you know, dishing out the info that sometimes we just need a little music break. <laughs> wow, thank you. That yeah. sounds amazing. And I'm flattered to be here, you know, in this uh, podcast se- section. Really, really. Thank you very oh. much. Oh, it's, I'm so thrilled to have you. And she, she's going to play some classical guitar for us. And before we have her play, everybody, just one more thank you to our Dear friends at Women Crush, they are an awesome organization. They provide opportunities and showcases for women in music. They have branches all over the United States and Canada. So if you're a woman in music, you want to visit womencrushmusic.com and just look around. You'll find a branch near you on that website, and you can find lots of great opportunities there to help you move your career forward. A lot of great uh, showcases that they're doing all over the country. A fantastic organization. And of course, we love them around here because they have brought Laura to us. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about the song you're going to play? Yeah, bueno, um, I'm from Cuba, so I just came like three years ago here to Miami. And this song that I'm going to play today represents a lot of uh, where I came from, you know. So it is very much attached to my um, to my personal history. That's why it is so important for me. I consider it an emblematic song from my country. And it was composed uh, in the 90s by the Cuban composer Eduardo Martin. He's one of the most important pedagogues and guitarists and guitar composers in Cuba. And he was also uh, one of the most relevant uh, professors for the Guitar Academy in Cuba in the 90s when I was just a kid learning the instrument. And so, well, this song is called La Ausencia, and well, the translation for this will be the absence, you know. And it's pretty much talking about nostalgia, about that uh, really deep feeling, you know, of when you miss something, somebody, when something is just missing, maybe in the deepest way and what I like about it, it well it really relates with my nostalgia feelings uh, but also I believe it touches everybody's sensibility and I believe that one of the main um, goals of the music will be to touch everybody's heart you know to make them feel special to make them feel something outside you know reality and that touches their true sensibility that makes them feel like humans and that you know connects them with their inner self so you know this is the main reason why i picked this song for today oh you are a master of build-up i I haven't even heard this song yet and i already feel like it's gonna be filled with so much emotion and so much passion well i don't want to put any more words in front of this performance so um without further ado laura take it away thank you
Laura Maison, everybody. My goodness. Wow. Hey, let me turn the sound effects on. <laughs> Most, we can do the whole thing with just like a... Just, you know, all right, let's do the whole thing with Echo. Now, <laughs> see, now here's my, here's the problem I now have, Laura. I, I want this to be a recurring segment on the podcast where we bring in a bunch of musicians to, to do what you did. But now I feel like nobody's going to want to follow you. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was... Wonderful! Oh my God! Thank you, thank oh. you very much. Oh. I just try to put as much emotion and need, you know, and get inside the piece because I believe that is, you know, what music is about. You know, about getting inside the music and being able to transmit all, all of those emotions to the the audience. You know, I cannot tell you how grateful I am that you shared your talent and you shared um, your just the soul you put into your music with this podcast community. Thank you so much for joining us this week. For Thank those you. who are interested, where can they find you if they want to you know, see on social media or anything like that? Well, um, they can find me on my website, lauramazon.com, and also they can follow me on Instagram at gillara. Um, that's spelled like L-L-I-L-L-A-U-R-A. So it's a little bit difficult. <laughs> but they can Let's just, do that one more time. But they can, just, they can just, you know, uh, tip my, you know, like they can write my name, Laura Mason Frankie, and they will find me, you know. So my, I know that my username is really <laughs> difficult. <laughs> well, <laughs> Sorry for that. <laughs> well, it, it's, it's worth it to, to, you know, to go through these spelling difficulties, listeners, <laughs> to find that fantastic music because I, I assume there's much more great stuff like that out there Thank you when they much. find you on social media. Again, thank you so, so much. Uh, please don't be a stranger. We'd love to have you on again real soon. I, mean, I would just... love to be back. And thank you for the opportunity, you know, uh, of having this uh, this recording section today and being able to spread out the word and show the people what can be done with the classical guitar because many people don't know about the possibilities and the beauty of this instrument beyond what is the popular style or maybe they, they confuse it with the flamenco style, which is also great, but... It's an instrument that can be taken to enormous height, just as the piano, the violin, you know, and you can find so many and interesting things. It's an instrument that can be used for the classical music, you know, you can play all of those, Bach, uh, Mozart, you know, arrangements, and all the classics, but you can also take it to the 21st century, and that's one of my greatest goals as a musician, is to take the classical guitar to the music of our times, because the guitar is you know, an instrument with so many possibilities, acoustics, uh, effects that you can take uh, from this instrument that I believe it deserves, you know, like a little space inside our very busy and really interesting 21st century. Well, you are certainly a fitting ambassador for that instrument. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Our, our thanks for Women Crush, our thanks to Women Crush Music for sponsoring our Break the Business Coffee House segment this week. Our thanks as well to Kevin Bruner, VP of Marketing for CD Baby, for joining us in the previous segment. And my thanks to you, of course, Laura, for the wonderful performance you just gave us. What a gift. And of course, my thanks to all of you out there for listening to the Break the Business podcast. We will see you next week. Mm-hmm.